0: You're at the Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub, where we enjoy conversations with people who are engaged in the world of coaching.
1: Welcome to this week's Coaching Inn. I'm Claire Pedrick, and today uh, my guest is Terry Belth, the world's first MCC Master Certified Coach. So when I met Terry on a podcast... A few months ago, I couldn't resist but inviting her to come and share some of her journey at the Coaching Inn. Welcome, Terry. Thank you
0: so much, Claire. I love being here with you.
1: Oh, it's great to see you. So, your coaching journey must be very interesting. Tell us a bit about it.
0: I found it interesting, too, because you gave me that challenge and I decided to really... Capture the moments. I think eight things came together and confluenced for the beginning. And I hadn't realized that. My first exposure. My first exposure to a coach was in 1983. I was in the training, I was the director of training and development at the Harvard Community Health Plan. I was looking for a program to bring more purposefulness to all levels in the organization. Uh, employees, management, and so on, and I, I discovered LMI, Leadership Management Institute, in Waco, Texas, and someone was assigned to me to be my coach, and I was doing my assignments, answering questions, my first official coach, a very nice, professionally trained salesperson. Something was missing for me, something deep and meaningful. Yeah, I was creating stretch goals and yes i was achieving them and um i was they they explained to me how the brain works um and everything seemed fine but something was missing oh he did a great job of cheerleading too so whereas it worked for the company i was in it didn't work for me for the definition of a coach Mm
1: -hmm. okay
0: so early also in the this is the 1980s I happened to meet someone named Julie Schneewind, who was the president of PRN, Resources and Networks, something P, PRN. And um, she trained me and my training staff in a program called The Course in Self-Management. Mm-hmm. Everybody teaches me The Course in Belf Management, you know, because I was trained. But It was The Course in Self-Management. And it was about how to bring the impossible dream in alignment with the possible dream. And it really had the elements of coaching. And she became my mentor. And 40 years later, she's still around doing amazing things and is my mentor. Um, Something happened at the Harvard plant, which which led to me being fired. And it was because I wasn't. My boss asked me to do something that was against the labor contract. Now I had—he didn't know I had been in personnel, and I was on the first bargaining team in the Commonwealth, The only woman. And I know a lot about bargaining, so I knew this. There's something else going on here. So what happened was, I asked a person that I had hired, who is well known, David Allen, the author of Getting Things Done.
1: Oh my goodness. Your whole audience is going to listen up now, listeners. You are one degree away from somebody who knew David Allen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I was involved with the personal transformation work he did, but I also asked him to be a contractor, a consultant, to teach us his productivity program. And so when I was fired, I said, David, can you recommend a, a counselor, career counselor for me? And he said, Terry, speak with these folks in London. They do something different called coaching. You might want to check it out. Well, I remember saying to him, you can't recommend someone in the United States for me. I have to kind of, I mean, London across the ocean was a big deal. They didn't call it a pond then. They called it an ocean. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I trusted David though, and I called over there to a company named Results Unlimited. Okay. And there were three partners. One of them returned my call very quickly. At the moment, I was emptying my office to leave (laughs) permanently. And her name was Sally Hedges at the time. And Sally called me back at an opportune moment where I was clearing out. And as I came back, my secretary said, there's a call from London for you. I said, I'll take it. I'm going to close the door. No interruptions, please. Okay. So Sally introduced me to coaching over the phone, and I was hooked, and I signed up to have her coach me, and that was in person, of course. So I had to fly her over. Now, Claire, I was a single parent. I had a mortgage to pay, and I was paying a lot of money to fly Sally eight times back and forth. Wow. So I put her up at my house, picked her up at the airport and did all those things to try to save money. And during this experience, um, she, did, she did coaching, actually, because now I know what coaching is. <laughs> and I had applied to two jobs and I came in number two on both of them. And I said, Sally, this doesn't feel right because I'm usually number one. I don't get number 2. I usually get the job or don't. So something's missing. She said, "Well, what did you do in your last job? Maybe last two jobs that really sparkles you." And I said, "Oh, well, I am um, uh I I talked to my staff and colleagues in my office with the door closed and we get into deep topics about life and meaningfulness and purposefulness. And that's what I love doing best. And then all of a sudden my head exploded and I said, that's what you're doing with me. I get goosebumps. I just got them again. That's, oh. that's what I want to do, what you're doing, coaching. She yeah. said, well, you would have to go over to London because we do it in groups of three. I said, I can't do that, Sally. I have a young kid. I can't keep leaving and and replacing myself with someone you know, and that doesn't work. I have to have well, what And then I asked a coaching question. What would not knowing that what would it take for you to come to me? <laughs> and she said, well, OK, we'll try it. We've never trained anyone in the States before. So uh, I went through how to be a coach. And then I said after a couple of years, it's lonely here. I want more coaches in the States. Now, when I when I um, searched. For a coach, I found 25 hits, not counting sports. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up yesterday evening, and there were something like 246 million. So we've come a long way, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, so after the, as you might know, from your experience, the British have delightfully rigorous standards. I consider even nowadays, you know, I've always been living in the States. I consider the Russian, where'd that come from? The um, (laughs) British, (laughs) the the British schools, their programs, the associations, just top of the line. Hmm. And so she said to me, you can't train until you have, successfully coached for five years in a row and you know i felt driven through all of this honestly claire it's like someone said to me once in the limousine drives up get in i felt totally driven i didn't question anything and i said okay five years so at the end of five years i asked to become a trainer of trainers Mm. and she said Uh, Okay, and she sent me the manual, which had about 15 pages, most of it with Werner Earhart's quotes. (laughs) So I developed my own training manual, having been in the training and development department. Mm. Okay. Um, For for me to really say I was a coach, I would have to advance to, if I may continue? Yeah, please do to a conference I attended, I have all the dates here, in 1996, it was uh, the, no, it wasn't 1996, it was before that, 19, between 1991 and 1996, I think it was 1992. I attended a conference that was uh, Harrison Owens brainstorm, organization transformation using open space technology. And there are about 250 people there. And I kept going around saying, hi, what do you do? I'm a coach from the Netherlands. Hello, what do you do? I'm a coach from Australia. And you, I'm a coach from the UK. And I was like, so I put up a note as you can do in open space. Let's meet in the so-and-so room at five o'clock and see who all the coaches are. Well, about 25 people showed up. We all looked at each other, mouth dropped, saying, oh my goodness. So what came out of my mouth like I was driven, okay, (laughs) I would never have said this. Why don't we have a worldwide coaching symposium and pull everybody out? And they said, that's a great idea. My biggest meeting I'd ever planned was 30 for my time management class. (laughs) A worldwide conference? Well, the the sort of side sentence on this is, since I didn't know anything about anything, we decided to do it in 1990, hold it in nineteen ninety six and I said oh yeah the other conference was 1994 because it took 2 years and i didn't really look at the calendar cuz they asked if we could do it in the states as long as we didn't have if they didn't have to come to new york or chicago airports i said okay we'll do it in atlanta i didn't look to see that that was the olympics time so we had a lot of, <laughs> we had a lot of congestion but we did pull out a lot of people and the conference was called the art and Science of well it's Art and Science of Coaching there's a good title trying to remember Um, I don't remember it. okay that's okay Um, what I found out was that there were coaches in California getting started too and they were starting an association that preceded ICF It was called the PPCA, Personal and Professional Coaches Association, PPCA. And they heard about me alone on the West Coast. I heard about uh, East Coast. I heard about them. And um, I jumped on their board. I became the membership chair. And in that one year of our existence, I brought in 350 coaches from all around the world because I had a lot of networks in Europe.
1: I'm so interested, Terry, because I started coaching in
0: 1987. 97. 87. 87. Okay.
1: But I hadn't heard the word coach until I read an article by Thomas Leonard. <laughs> and what I find extraordinary is you haven't got to the date of my first hearing about coaching yet. And two things really strike me from what you're saying. Number one is, coaching was a word way before I even I thought it was, even though that was what I was doing. And secondly, everything you've said so far is outrageously international in the most beautiful way. Thank you. And I'm just very interested that by the time I found the word and found the community, it was very American. Yes. it wasn't yes. yeah it wasn't there were people that
0: not right well you know for me the word coaching came in through timothy galway who yes. is american but was in in the uk at the time teaching yeah. tennis, and the founder of the or the right the author of the inner game series yes. and his point about the in between the hits is the most important time because that, that gets into self-talk and muscle memory and that point became the basis for the uh the british company results unlimited that did this program two programs they did that i got certified in um the personal effectiveness program and the personal business oh, effectiveness program yeah so the in between is the basis of our you know our work so interesting connection. wow what a so-
1: journey so what there's journey. still there's still yeah. more journey to come because it was I we haven't got to the world's first MCC so okay you're okay. now the membership secretary of the PPCA what happened next
0: right well there was some political naughtiness going on and um, the largest coaching school at that time. Uh, would hold their conferences within a week of ppca and they would charge nothing so we're you going to take a coaching conference for nothing or for 310 dollars whatever the number was so we went out of business however it wasn't nice and i became the mediator between the two factions not as an official mediator but just the way i do things mm-hmm. and try to Look, I wrote a poem based on Abraham Lincoln's, um, I called it a House Divided, Cannot Stand. You know, 10 years ago, two groups came together and I read it to the last PPCA um, annual meeting. And then what came out of me was, we have to create a profession. We can't let this as a, go as a hobby. It's too meaningful. And there are 200 some people in the audience and they're listening open I said I know what a profession takes I helped create the nurse practitioner from the um, uh, the RN registered nurse I helped create the uh, family practitioner from general practice I was involved in standards and credentials and all that I know what it takes and we need to do that and the president Jeff Rames, looked at me and said okay Terry do it well I looked in the audience, I said, who's going to help? I was stormed. We ended up with 17 people on the committee who created the profession. My role specifically was the setting up the credentials, the accreditation and continuing education and other wonderful people did competencies and ethics and things like that. So we did that. Now, um, so the two, two merged and we called it ICF, International Coach at that time, no coaching, Coach Federation. Oh, that's something I need to mention. Okay. I still wanted to stay involved. And I, after a year and a half, I was totally burnt out, Claire. So I Mm -hmm. turned it over to two amazing people who continued the work. And I wanted to get involved with ethics. I always had wanted to be involved with ethics. And I was told by the person at the time, your school is too small. You know, there were others. They were doing telephone coaching. I was doing in in person. And I would fly to different places in the, oh, you're from Chicago? Well, I'll come to you if you pay my my airfare. Mm. And... They would say, okay, that's expensive. I said, well, get some clients in the process, and they can then you can all share in the travel, which is what Sally did with me. Yeah. I traveled all over the United States States in places I wanted to go, coaching in person. And when ICF came in, it 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 was a huge organization. It used to be the graduate component of Coach University. Yeah. That was called ICF. So we used their name, we agreed to do that, merged, and smoothed out the feathers, as people would say. Then, what happened then? Um, They trained coaches i became quite global again people would still fly to me for two weeks for training and the rest we would do through telephone or internet and um what was a major thing i just did my thing I, it was always a little different from everything else but there were seven of us to start of the profession and we had a a a spiritual base, which I'll probably get into later. So we supported each other in in getting our businesses going and whatnot. How did I get to the end? Oh, the MCC. Oh gosh, I'm embarrassed to tell you the truth, but I'll tell you the whole truth. (laughs) So after all this work, uh, after developing the credentials, the president said, why don't we... A grandfather, about 10 people with the credential, because otherwise it'll take three years before we can get on the map. And I said to him with puppy dog eyes, can I be the first one? And he said, of course, Terry. So I became the first MCC. Now, as ICF got going and we're having testing and stuff, I have begged three times to be tested. And each time they say, We know you do what you're doing. We're not going to test you. We're not going to waste our time in testing So I've never really had a test. People have watched me and observed me and gave me feedback, but I've never had a test Mm. for the end. So that's how it came first.
1: Wow. And I did notice a little bit earlier in the story that your coaching teacher made you do your miles before she let you train. Yes. So, so you had done a lot of miles by the time you got given that credential.
0: I did. And when you look at the numbers at that time, how many thousands of hours I, I have coached, it sounds unbelievable. But yeah. I started like 1987.
1: Actually, yeah, I will try. 80- I will try not to be jealous because, of course, my coaching hours couldn't count as coaching because according to the ICF, the people that I had been coaching didn't know it was coaching. So I had to start again, and then when I got my MCC, I was able to put two thousand hours back in, which I'd done before. I thought I was a coach, mm. but I will forgive you. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. No, no, no. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. But, yeah. but you know, we're describing the evolution of something new, and when something new is evolving. there is always going to be a bit of there's some of this and none of that and some of something else what an amazing journey but I am so struck really struck by the international nature of it because if you'd asked me to write a fantasy version of that story it would have been very different because you hear volume from different places
0: Uh and
1: and The grandfather word I find very interesting because I know Thomas Leonard, because I heard him speak of it in London in the very early 90s. He liked to call himself the grandfather of coaching. Who is that? Thomas
0: Leonard. Oh, uh, yes. We talked about that. I again, I'm going to be honest. Um, uh, We met early on when I did the search and he said, why don't you take my program? I said, I can't, because then, you know, I'm trying to get my own brand, and I can't say, and I certainly have studied it, I, I can't do that, but thank you very much, mm. and um, he started calling himself the father of coaching, Yeah. so, and, and I listened to a tape series, he produced 10, 10 tapes on himself coaching as demonstrations, and I analyzed it from a coaching point of view, and about 30% of it was coaching. The rest was consulting, yeah, in the financial area.
1: The benefit of our of of our younger listeners, you can look up on Wikipedia what a tape is.
0: Well, immediately, Claire, I jumped on the title "The Grandmother of Coaching" because who comes before the father, the grandmother? Yeah. Yeah. So I started spreading the word "grandmother," and everyone calls me the grandmother of coaching. Wow. Yeah. Uh, But he he made a major contribution. Because when I, yes, yes, yes. When I went to get my first business license, first of all, I was thrilled that on the application, this would have been 1989, um, you had to have worked in in whatever you're doing for six months before you were allowed to even apply. So I had, so I applied and it's head coaching is one of the professions and I checked it and I turned it over to the lady and she looked at me and she said, with eyebrows raised, honey, you ain't no football coach. Then I went to a lawyer and I said, I can't sign up as a coach because it doesn't exist yet. She yeah. said, well, Terry, in um, an hour, the way I would advise you is it needs to be in the mass media three times for in the definition you have in order to count then we can make a case Thomas Leonard was one of those because he got into the time uh, Newsweek article with yeah. himself was it Newsweek? Time, Newsweek Newsweek, yeah. sitting on the lounge chair with his uh-huh. uh, so that made a big difference and also I didn't get approved for accreditation even though I had set up the program I was the only program that did one-on-one and that hadn't been built into it, I didn't even realize that it was only for groups so all the criteria had to do with groups so I had to make a big case for the fact that one-on-one coaching is legitimate before I could get our program accredited.
1: <laughs> wow. Wow. What an extraordinary journey.
0: So, yeah. and the, the circle of distinction award blew me away. I have never gotten an award for anything. I'm in the back, back seat. I'm not crazy about fame. I do what I do. And when, when, people were saying apply 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 someone said I'll apply for you and you can edit it and I was beyond belief that I got in on the first the first group circle well, of distinction well done so that's my
1: journey well thank you you're going to write this somewhere terry because it is it it's a story that needs to be heard I'm that's why
0: I said I, I uh, documented my thoughts so that I might do that. Yeah, I, think, I, I do have online just a simple thing like what, is, what is, a life in the day of an MCC coach, something like that. But I went through a day, what am I, what's my pattern, my routine? And but this is this is interesting. Okay,
1: I think it's very interesting. And I think that global coaches need to hear that actually it was it was born out of a global bunch of people who came together because you haven't described anything that matches what i kind of assumed thought imagined and i've been around coaching yeah. since 1987 so by yeah by the time i heard the noise the noise said we are american so I love the idea that there was some stuff before that. Not that I have anything against Americans, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Many people think that the U.S. created coaching. Yeah, yeah. Because that was what, what Thomas did. I don't know if he did global coaching, to tell the truth. I have no idea. But, see, my parents were Europeans. So I've always felt a bit more European than
1: American. Uh, okay, right. And I had friends there and colleagues and, yeah. Yeah. So now... What's coaching for now okay, um,
0: in gathering my thoughts, I wasn't going to write down anything, but I got so inspired, so I did Three quick examples when when we started the big question is what is a coach? And I remember once i okay, and the question now is, who is your coach? Ah. That's right. But I do remember yeah. my networking meeting when I had to say, you know, what do you do? I'm a coach. Oh, the bus company. Cause there's a bus company called coach. I said, and I, what came out was, well, I am kind of like a bus because I take people from where they are to where they want to go. You know, you're familiar with Cinderella's coach. He said, yeah. I said, well, think about it. It takes you towards your dreams. So I feel like, yes, that's what a coach is an easy way to explain it. So that's one big thing about what's now um let's see we've gone from generic coaching when we started to specialized areas i mean there are legitimate people calling themselves uh gardening coaches or dog sitting coaches and there are many specializations even icf now has gone into team coaching and business development series everything that we who began it had in our programs icf is now doing
1: <laughs> listeners there was a look then just for the benefit of our audio viewers our audio listeners <laughs> eyes
0: rolled um external coaches and then we got into internal coaching and a mix now so that's one one mm-hmm. thing that's different now um, attention is paid to the quality of the workplace and purposefulness. Now, you know, Six Sigma organizations have a a uh, an employee well being mm. Now we started it with that. We started with more well being, and then when, in my experience, the largest groups that came into our profession were the consultants and the therapists. And they brought it more to the productivity, the external side. And now being is coming back in. Yeah. But in Europe, I have found, not in the other continents that I know, in my experience in Europe, I have found that being doesn't need to be separated out as a category. It's just part of the whole. Yeah. So whereas in our program we have a well-being game and you monitor your well-being, my first few experiences in, in Spain and Italy to be specific were our, our folks don't need that. Mm. So that was interesting. But in business now, it's, it's coming in. It's a big deal. Um, Well, from in, for me, from in person to phone, to zoom and not me yet to AI artificial intelligence. Mm. Okay. Uh, but for, Thomas, it would have been phone. I don't know actually whether I had a conversation with the person who took over about in-person and it was not appreciated in the way that I did.
1: Okay. There's something there about about connectability, isn't there? So I started in person. And then when I discovered what coaching was and was at a season in my life where I had very young children, because I'd been trained on the phone, I did coach on the phone for quite a long time. And what's very interesting now is yesterday I was training a group online how to work on the phone because we've, we're so used to visual stimulation somebody had come in on a program that i was running and they'd come in without a camera because of where they were in the world and when they were speaking i closed my eyes because i was that was that's my way of listening when i can't see and somebody picked it up and we had a really really interesting conversation about how to coach on the phone and if you'll if I can tell you a funny story. So when I did my MCC recording that even then, so I did my MCC 12 years ago, 13 years ago, even then it was still phone. It wasn't video. So it was either in person or it was phone. I was on the phone and um, they, (laughs) so I had my eyes closed and they said something like, I feel like I'm dancing on ice. And I asked them a question Mm -hmm. about dancing on ice. And, as I did it, I found myself standing on one leg and putting my arms out as though I was dancing on ice, because without video, you can do what you like and my quest the quality of my questions came from standing on one leg and wobbling, and I was laughing with somebody just the other day about how there are some things you can't do video or in person that you can do on the phone because you'd never do <laughs> you
0: Absolutely. just said,
1: you said to me, I feel like I'm dancing on ice." Although I use movement a lot in coaching, I'm not going to go, just excuse me while I stand on one leg and wobble. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'd be on the <laughs> ground, uh, on the ice. Um my one of my my first master son coach trainer, the highest level you can get in our in our group, did phone preferred phone coaching. And she said when she trained us how to do it, she said, just to let you know, I pace furiously. I pace, I talk with my hands as if I'm yeah. that's the way I work and then I feel really connected so I hired a phone coach to coach me so I could get the experience and it was wonderful but honestly since I've lost so much hearing I have to lip read so I can't close my eyes (laughs) yeah Yeah. because it doesn't make sense but I, I I know of that process and wish I could have experienced it in this lifetime but we'll go to the next So Uh, let's see. Can I ask you
1: a question before we move on? Sure. Of course. As you've been telling your story in this conversation, what new insights have you had?
0: What insights have I had? Hmm. That I'm a bit too humble. (laughs) When I look back, I don't believe It was me. You know, I'm speaking about these things as an observer, except for one or two of the pieces I shared, like the honey you ain't no football coach. But other than that, you know, most of them I don't feel like it was me. I can't believe I've I've done all that and I've actually made an impact on a profession. Little old me, that's that's one big insight. And how many how many cycles of ups and downs the profession has had? Yeah. So I'm um, weathered to them. Is that mm. the expression? It's like, oh, here's another cycle. Whereas other people get all up in arms. It's like, oh, here we go again. Because that's what organizations do. They're like, like people, they have cycles.
1: Mm.
0: So I'm aware of that. What new insights? Uh, Brought me to one one sentence when I was working with my coach and was thinking about getting into coaching. uh, She said to me, you'll have to change your name. It's not professional to have that hyphen E. And Mm -hmm. I tried there. I tried. My pen would not do that. It kept going. Now it's the biggest gift I can think for marketing, because at the beginning, when we got started. Terry Luperger, who now is the president of Newfield Network, Julio Olaya's program. Uh, She was Terry, but people knew that there were two Terrys in the same, right? Uh -uh. So they said, Are you the one with the funny spelled name? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So it worked.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Wow. How interesting. I'm just very curious that the first time I ever heard of you was a few months ago when you hosted me on your podcast and I'm a little bit angry inside that the noisy names over that because we've been around in the coaching profession you've only been around a little bit longer than I have but the, the the names that have made the most noise may not be the people who did the most work
0: except for sir um John Whitmore, Yeah. Okay. Whom I had the pleasure of meeting. Yeah. And connecting a whole lot with. Yeah. We yeah. There are some who've made a lot of noise through contribution and have, and Timothy Galway again. Yeah. 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 Now, isn't that the way life is right now?
1: It is. It yeah. is. Like I
0: said, I'm not a noisy person. When it comes to ethics, I am ah. I get noisy, and then you know, and then we have things like um, th- the hardest thing for people when they graduated was to get clients, even though we have mm. a very robust uh, marketing program and it works okay. But now we have the platforms, yeah, that little hands up. That's a big change; makes it easier for people to see themselves as a coach, um, collaboration and partnership have become very big as a theme Mm -hmm. in the culture profession. And, of course, the focus on DEI, JB, uh, inclusivity, and um, diversity.
1: Diversity. Right.
0: Diversity. So yes, now systemic oppression and stuff. Mm -hmm.
1: Um,
0: One new one. I attended a seminar in... Uh, what's the largest uh, country in Latin America it begins with Brazil Brazil wow. okay uh, so I attended a, an ICF chapter by Zoom in Brazil and it was about care for the caretaker and it was giving a program about how we have to take care of ourselves in order to continue to do the service we're doing
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it really hit hit me hard that I'm so glad this is becoming a thread now.
1: A, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so coaching supervision is is yeah. very well established in Europe and is becoming a thing in America, isn't it now? Slowly, slowly.
0: Right. And that's m- way ahead in, in Europe, way yeah. ahead and far better, if I can say. <laughs>
1: so, it, when- it's really interesting. So the new book, uh, we got the, we got the, the typesetting scripts yesterday for the new book. But um it's called the human I can't even remember what it's called. The human behind the coach. Now I'm forgetting everything. It's called the, the human, human behind the, behind the coach.
0: Human behind the coach.
1: But one of the things that we realized when we started pulling it together was that there's something about the work that goes on for us inside our internal work and there's also something about what happens in the space between us in a coaching session and when we were finalizing about four drafts ago like you do I realized that half the book is about coaching supervision and the other half of the book is about mentor coaching and I turned to my colleague who's Italian And I said, I wonder whether this way of describing it is going to help coaches who don't understand supervision understand it in a different way. Um, So we'll
0: see. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, um, what was the second point you just made?
1: The inside stuff. So what, what goes on for us inside and how we deal with our inside stuff versus what happens in the room.
0: When I train someone and we go through the marketing stuff and they say, how much should I charge? Now, what Sally did, because I'm naive. I said to Sally, how much should I charge? And she got her conversion from pounds to US and she told me 1600 for a 16 hour program, five months. And I went, oh, okay. I mean, I didn't even question it. I just, she knows what she's talking about. However, people would say, what am I going to charge? Oh, I can't charge that much. And I would say, you're not just getting paid for coaching. You're getting paid for all the personal growth and development work you've done in your life, coming to fore in the form of coaching. Yes. So think about how much you're worth. You'll quadruple it instantly. And that helps. That yeah. helps.
1: Yeah. And that's still an issue, isn't it, with new coaches, which is how much do I charge? Is, a, is, a, is an ongoing thing one of the
0: issues now that has not been resolved by icf and i couldn't resolve it so i went to them for help is since i'm global uh, there are some economies that cannot afford the us rate or even the european rate and do we charge them differently we're offering the same services but do we charge them differently and how do we not discriminate what kind of data do we need to make it a valid choice and and also that applies for standards of appraisal because I mentored someone for the MCC and um, he selected a recording and it didn't, it wasn't MCC because in India, there is a hierarchy. hierarchy. That's his norm, his culture. And he coached that, even though he'd been trained that you cannot be on the pedestal. Mm. You have to be a partner. And it passed. And I, I asked ICF about this. Should I change, you know, tell me, should I change my standards for different cultures and norms? They said, we don't know, we're talking about it. I think this is, I've done it already three times in a big request and there's still no no resolution. And there may not be a resolution.
1: No, but I'm really so excited to hear your comment about fees because I have such a huge ethical dilemma. When coaches say my fee is my fee. And I can remember a coach in Malawi making contact with me. And I said, let's talk. And uh, she said, how much, I really want to work with you. How much do you charge? And I said, well, how much do you charge for coaching? So she told me. So I gave her a number that in her context was fair, that technically, wasn't fair in our context but you know what's not fair it, that's a huge ethical issue isn't it so I said to her this is how much I'll charge and she said I thought I was going to sell have to sell my car to be able to work with you and get a coaching credential that is wrong I'm sorry that really I so she sells her car so that she can pay me so that i can buy a more expensive car i think not and no. and it's a conversation that i've tried to have over over time which is very difficult to have actually because you're right because you don't want to be patronizing but equally you don't want to say well actually i charge this much and you're going to pay it if you want to work with me because then it that's just that just becomes everybody's got the same kind of economic capacity so thank you for saying that terry
0: you're welcome and i know that ICF's strategy um for the near future is to get into india and africa so let's see if maybe there's some kind of resolution that comes out of that
1: yeah and and there's the cultural thing and there's also the financial thing and what's the cultural Uh thing in a in a yeah. global marketplace, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm delighted to say I've just been mentoring a an aspiring MCC in India who got it. Um, but you have to choose who you coach for the recording, of course. Well, yeah. what of what a conversation?
0: Okay. One of the things that's very important to me, Claire, has always been from the beginning is purposefulness. And in our group, we often talk about what is the purpose, and we read a lot about and research, what is the purpose of coaching? Why is it on the planet now? Yeah. Okay. And um, I came up with four answers. One is one that I said from the beginning, coaching is just an excuse for an authentic conversation. you know, and that, that's, that gets me to two, which is, it's, it's healing, it's healing people. And people still, well, that's what the therapeutic profession does. And I said, well, mental health and therapy take bad things and make them smaller. Coaching takes good things and make them bigger. Mm. So we're both needed. We're on a continuum. Now that's a generalization, because I do know therapies like brief therapy that does it like coaching and i do know coaching that doesn't like therapy but as a general that's a good differentiation to use in the public okay so we are in the healing profession the third was again julio olaya from the newfield network at a keynote in in um, the dc chapter years ago said and this is also it didn't work in india because they come back from a different Heritage, different lineage but for the other parts of the world it works uh the church if you go back to the 1400s 1500s the church was responsible for the internal being of the person mm. might even say still now and then the 14 1500s was the time when the scientists started to come in so they were focused on the external And so that's been the case for a long time coaching has the potential to bring those two together into a more whole perspective, internal and external.
1: Nice.
0: I like that. And I wrote down here ICF has done something that has many layers of exploration. They've changed it from International Coach Federation, which is us representing us as a membership organization where we have a say to a coaching association which has to do with the process which means secondarily is that we are members in the organization so i was quite shocked i'll give one example i was in the i think it was the town hall two of the six family organizations were having a town hall together and someone said something about um where do we where do we go to find out and everybody looked and i said how about the P, the family called PC, the professional coaches. The board chair is the only one we vote for now. No one else gets voted in by members. Mm -hmm. The global board head picks everybody. There's no more voting. So people said, what's the piece? Even people from the people we hire as employees, the Association International, which has hundreds of employees that help us manage our... Our growth and budgets. Uh, we we started hiring them in 2007. They've got hundreds now, and even they didn't know that the PC was the way to go. So we need more. We need more visibility for those who want to know. Most don't want to know. Just I'll coach. I don't want to know anything about politics or how we're organized. But I care about that. I care yeah. a lot about that. I I miss. I, I, we had a meeting with, with people that we needed to meet with. And I said, I used to have a voice in this organization and I was proud of my voice. Now I don't have a voice anymore because I don't know where to go. Mm. And that's something that I, I leave you with for this topic. What's the purpose of coaching? We've gone from coach to coaching and it's changed dramatically our association.
1: As you're talking, there's something for me about the system of coaching and the systems that we work with about about you represent part of the story and the history. And to move into the future, there's something about how do we respect our story as a profession? And I am so grateful, Terry Ebelth, that you've been willing to come and and talk about that, and let's share this recording far and wide because it will be really great for people just to get a bit of a sense of what the story has been this far as we think about our story ongoing. Um, yes,
0: I have to put this sentence in. It, it is my story, and it comes from my perspective with a large range of experiences and yeah. years behind it too, but it is still my story yeah. it's not necessarily the story yes everybody know that
1: yeah. yeah 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 absolutely it's your story and it's your story of the profession's history and other stories will also be available they say that yeah. in advert in advertising in british tv <laughs> other <laughs> stories are available thank you terry <laughs> Ebel, for coming to the coaching in what an absolute delight Um uh, yeah.
0: Pleasure having a conversation with you about things that are so important to me. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed
0: what you've heard today, we'd love you to share the podcast with a friend or leave a comment on social media. And if you'd like to become a regular at The Coaching Inn, you can subscribe on Podbean and all major podcast channels. We look forward to welcoming you next time. You've been listening to The Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub. For more information, check out 3dcoaching.com.